Welcome, folks, to the Dungeon Mastermind podcast. Um, I am Jake Packham, and we'll be hosting today's event. Um, I have with me Miss Hyacinth of Hyacinth Wonders. Yeah, I'm Hyacinth Wonders on pretty much all of the social media platforms. I do a lot of cosplay and D&D content, silly videos, that kind of thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, definitely worth the follow. Um, her work is fascinating um, from anime to fantasy to original characters to Marvel um, to all sorts of stuff. Yeah, there's right? a wide variety on there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> what is your, like, probably hard to pick, but what's your top favorite? Yeah, I don't know if I have one specifically, but I do think it's really fun anytime I get to play a character that's a little further from my natural personality. Um, so Shigyo, for example, is one that I really enjoy doing because she's just so f there's all kinds of like facial expressions and body language and funny things that's to do with her. Um, or I mean, outside of her, probably I think my favorite right now is probably my rogue character that I just kind of started making more content with. She's an original fantasy character based off a D&D rogue build. So she's really fun to play with. Beautiful. Um, yeah, it's a good time. You guys definitely will run through all the handles and stuff um, again so that you have all that information. Um, but we are going to be talking about role playing specifically yeah. um, getting into your actual character. Now, obviously, with your background in the cosplay, and then we'll dive a little bit more into your additional background that eventually led you here, mm -hmm. um, I think we have a lot that you are going to be able to offer the folks at home for getting into the character mindset and actually playing for the sure. character. Yeah. <laughs> um, so give us some of the background. Like, Tell us how you got into cosplay, tabletop and kind of that whole spiel. Yeah. So growing up, I was definitely more on the extroverted side and my parents were always made a big deal when I was younger about like, since you're an extrovert, you got to watch out for the kids that have a harder time making friends. And so I always would reach out to people who were kind of on the outskirts of the various activities I did. You know, I did a lot of extracurricular stuff. And so um, anytime there was a kid kind of hanging out by the wall or who didn't have friends, I would reach out to them. And as a side effect of that, just most of the friends I ended up making ended up being geekier people. Um, and they would talk about anime or cosplaying for various conventions. And I did just went over my head for the longest time. Um, and so I decided to kind of like dip my toe into that pool just to kind of see if I could get into it, talk about it, have something in common. Um, and I ended up getting way more into it than most of them were, went a lot further with it. Um, to my knowledge, at least, none of these old friends have, like, cosplay accounts or anything. Um, a lot of them didn't play D&D, &D, about half played D&D. &D. Um, but yeah, so I, I got really, really into it. Um, and because of that, then I ended up getting into more roleplay stuff. I didn't do very much theater or anything growing up, and so I learned a lot of that on the fly. Um, but I got into a lot of different, like, character event type companies because they saw my cosplays and they're always looking for people to do events um and with that i i made a lot of friends who role played um at these various things and we built a lot of really good chemistry and then one of them reached out and was looking to put together a D, &D group and so we got this huge group of role players and most of us hadn't ever played before um and so that was really funny because we got really good really quickly at building these characters and backstories and um, connecting with each other through these false personas. But then, you know, you get to combat and then you're like, 
how much is my movement? <laughs> do I do I have to do my action first or can I do my bonus action yeah. first? Which one is a D8? I don't know. Yeah. Um, what is a D8? So yeah, it would it would kind of fall apart during combat for the first sure. little while. Um, but outside of that, the role play was so fun. And I think that's what kept most of us coming back. Yeah. So I love that. Um, it's obviously a, a like I'm wearing an anime shirt right now. So like <laughs> I I resonate with that. Having um become an outlier later in my years as opposed to um you know starting out that way um but this is where the good people are so if you're listening to this you're in the right spot uh because this is where the good folks are um the good people watch anime they play D D and probably read fantasy novels yeah for sure um (laughs) so the the whole roundabout approach to Dungeons and Dragons for you mm-hmm. has been polar opposite for what 99% of us yeah. get to, right? Um, for most of us, the first experience with like true role plays, either like in a sales job mm-hmm. or the first time they're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Right. Um, and so coming from a background of being a character and the role play aspect mm-hmm. of it first um is far and away a unique experience right um so what like obviously like in your first experience you you were talking about how the role play aspect of it came really naturally the Mm -hmm. chemistry at the table was really good and then the mechanics is where it semi broke down yeah um but even that you could you can kind of figure your way out having role play experience um how did that did was role play natural for you Yeah, you know, I mean, I think a lot of it came naturally because growing up I did, I mean, everyone plays pretend, right? When Mm -hmm. you're a kid, you're like, okay, I'm going to be Indiana Jones running away from a boulder and you you know, whatever. And you kind of designate these roles. And so I think coming into D&D and just role play in general, I kind of went at it with the mindset. I'm like, okay, this is the same thing I did when I was, you know, in grade school, but now it's, now there's more rules basically, Mm -hmm. Um, which I really liked because I had an older brother that like, would always kind of cheat at the role play games. You know, he'd be like, yeah, your character can't have that superpower because that's too OP. Sure. But my character is going to have this way more power for superpower. And you're the younger sibling, so you're dumb and you don't know. And then right. they just win. It's the, the right of the older sibling. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so then with D&D, I was like, that's cool because now it's it's playing pretend, but it's balanced. Yeah. Um, and I definitely have gotten better with role play over time. But I think, um, especially interacting with kids and doing improv, Um, there was a lot of stuff I learned about storylining with kids and making connections really quickly Mm -hmm. because a lot of the time with these kids, you know, if you're dressed up as a princess, you get like five minutes with them, they take a picture and they go and you want to leave them feeling like they had an experience for sure. You don't want just like, what's your favorite name? What's your favorite color? Um, and so talking to them and finding something about them, you connect with, you know, Mm -hmm. um, finding a unicorn on their shirt. And then you can tell them a story about an interaction you had with a unicorn the day before. Um, And then they're like, whoa, that's so cool. Like this person I'm talking to is hung out with a unicorn and they think I'm cool because I have a unicorn on my shirt, you know? And it's not exactly the same, but I do think there's a lot of carryover where then you're used to putting yourself in someone else's shoes and then bonding with someone really quickly. And that helps a lot too when you're like trying to tie a party together. Um, The other thing that helped me a lot is, you know, when you're, when you're interacting with other actors who are also paid performers, um, a lot of the time you kind of end up yes anding 
backstories together, right? right. You know, I'll be you're talking to each other and you're like, yeah, you know, just yesterday we were racing on dolphins, right? And the other person has to be like, yes. yeah, yeah, Absolutely they, dolphins, we uh-huh. And yeah. then, you know, they build onto that and they're like, but hers was faster because she fed it seaweed right before and I didn't realize that there was a different type of seaweed. And so you kind of come up with these stories really, really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my favorite parts too, when I'm building my character's backstories is to try to build one with another character player interesting Um, especially because it helps the party bond a lot faster definitely i found it when everyone comes in with their own completely separate backstory it can be really hard for the dm to like get the group to right like why are you here right right? why would all of you be here at the exact same time Mm -hmm. pretty coincidental right? right exactly like yeah no question and so then when you have if you can talk to someone first and you're like hey are you comfortable being childhood friends or secret lovers or whatever it is maybe your cousins um and then having kind of just like a base outline for mm-hmm. that story uh, but then you know you can still have things that the other person doesn't know about and then you can yes and specific things you know right. like you can be like oh we're you know we're a tag team and we have all these special moves remember the grab and go and they're like yeah of course i remember you know and yeah you you don't have to nail out every part of the backstory but having that connection can really help grow parties too yeah and a, and a base level of understanding that that's mm-hmm. what's going to happen exactly right. so like most of mine have had that um, I have one character who's a rogue and I made her because I had a friend who wanted to play a bard and she was torn between bard and rogue because she wanted to get into thievery. And so we ended up calling ourselves like the razzle dazzle and the pickpocket nice. basically. So we have this nice. where we're both street urchins and she was the distraction and I would be the pickpocket. Absolutely. Um, I also have a different character where, you know, our, one of the other players in my character were childhood friends and they came from the same little sea town, but then at a certain point their paths turned way different directions he went off to sea because his dad was like a captain on a ship and he went on all these adventures and my character was overall pretty content until that point but then she was like well he's really cool now and i'm just in this town and i want to go be cool um she went a very different direction because she thought thieves were really cool and so she ended up being like, I'm going to go get involved in the underground because they're edgy, fun people. Yeah. Um, you have a lot of thievery <laughs> yeah. characters. I have, yeah. I'm I concerned have... <laughs> for your mental health really? and what your life outside of your characters looks like because it sounds like every character just needs to steal. Well, I mean, part of that came from just <laughs> the mechanic problem, right? Yeah. I knew how to role play. I didn't understand spellcasters terrified me yeah for the longest time because there were so many it's more a lot rules. to juggle mm-hmm. yeah and so i was like rogues are just easy and i connected with them more than like barbarians fighters sure. feel kind of basic yeah i should probably play a fighter eventually i'd probably shout like out if I basic them. fighters because <laughs> that's a fact yeah fighter class <laughs> least interesting i also rangers that's another one that like yeah. i've looked at but it just never like really stuck out to me um but I, I think you could still multi-class those in a really fun way. I've thought about it before. Um, but, you know, then I do have my cleric character, and she's not a thief. So yeah. there's there's one. Although she is a liar. She, I mean. Right. Not too much. I guess I that's think. true. Right. Yeah. Uh, and we'll we'll dive a little <laughs> bit into, into her tiefling car- cleric. Yeah. Um, so the yeah absolutely so the like your your characters like you describe your characters um i just in kind of observation um there is she you know or mm-hmm. my character does this and 
simultaneously there is a, a little fluidity with and I, yeah. right? Like <laughs> the the character does this and I also do this, right? Mm-hmm. Like there the lines between speaking in first person and right. you know, third person is very fluid when you're talking about your characters, which I think is a very interesting yeah. <laughs> observation there where like, I think that is a missing piece for a lot of people mm-hmm. and is a big hurdle and um, hesitation point to start playing. Right. Right. And I do think like what's helped me to a lot with role play, especially with original characters, because you know, with a lot of my cosplays, I'm mimicking pre-existing characters. Sure. And that's a little bit easier, even if you are improving. But when I come up with my own characters, I try really hard to make it a piece or a version of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, not entirely. You don't want it to be a complete self-insert. So sometimes I'll be like, this character, you know, has this flaw that I have. But then they also have this other flaw that I don't have. Like mm-hmm. this, one of my rogues is a really bad liar. She lies all the time, but she's super bad at it, which is kind of the opposite of how I am in real life. Like I don't lie very often, but also improv is basically lying. Right. And so I'm basically a professional liar in a lot of ways. Um, And so having a character that like is constantly trying to deceive people, but it's just super bad at it is super fun. Um, And so I think like finding ways to pull it away from yourself, but then also like having things you can connect with either elements of their backstory are similar to yours or specific flaws or bonds they have or things you can relate to, I think are really important because if you don't self-insert to some extent, it's going to feel really awkward and shallow and it's not, none of the role play or emotional connections you make with the other characters is going to feel very real. Absolutely. And that's, that's it, right? Like it's called a tabletop role-playing game, Mm -hmm. right? Um, At its core, Dungeons and Dragons is intended to be, a conversation with other people at a table and it is in a fantasy setting, right? right. Or it can be whatever, right? Yeah. Um, and it also includes occasional combat. Um, it is not intended to be an outright smash and grab brawl. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a what originally draws people Mm -hmm. to it. Um, But truth be told, it's the story and the Mm -hmm. story happens in the role play. Yeah. Right. That's what really gets people bought in and why they keep coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, It isn't because I dealt 72 points of damage. Have you seen my math dice? Right. That's all I'm going to do. The whole game is just roll my math dice. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's, that's the least interesting part of it. Um, Is it satisfactory? No question about Mm -hmm. it. When you crit, amazing. Mm -hmm. You love it. Um, But the role play aspect of it is why you stay. Right. Um, But it's also why people don't get started. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it is fun to make a character. It is interesting to say, you know, like I'm making a paladin who's a dragonborn that's blue. (laughs) So he has a lightning breath weapon and also smites in combat. Like, okay, cool. Everything you've just described has nothing to do with who your character really is. Exactly. Right. Um, So helping folks like build their first character. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what you talked about in bringing something of yourself to the table is a really good place to start. Right. But the distinction is don't bring your whole self to the table. For sure. And I think too, it's, it's fun to think about like what, what flaws you have that you think could be interesting in role play or even what things about you do you think it would be interesting to play the opposite of? Mm -hmm. Are you a timid person? Do you want to try playing an extrovert? Um, But if you're doing that, if you're, 
basically like doing what you feel is upgrading your personality, making sure to also pull flaws in because you don't want a character that's just perfect. That's a really boring character to play. There's zero character development that can really happen then during the story. Um, And so usually when I'm building a character, I try to find elements of myself that I like that I can pull in um, or even sometimes that I don't like. Yeah. Um, And the fun part is you don't have to tell anybody which is which right <laughs> you could pull in a secret insecurity that no one would ever know was yours and role play it in your character and then you get to like process it that way or see how people react to it without ever having anyone know that it's anything other than just fiction yeah um so i think there's a lot of freedom with how you develop your character and how you kind of tend to self-insert um but just making sure you build a well-balanced character and making one where you know there's room for change and growth um I think having kind of an end in mind is also a good idea. Being Mm. like, I want my character to be humbled over the course of this campaign. You know, that's somewhere they can learn and grow. I like that. Or I want them to build confidence. And with that character development in mind, I think it's a lot easier to then build flaws. And you're like, no, it's okay that my character is really selfish because she won't be later. Yeah. You know? Uh, And I think that also helps you look for role play opportunities and character growth opportunities where it's like, well, maybe in this moment she is being selfish, but she's now she's like reluctant about it. She feels a little bit guilty because she's starting to see other people's personalities and feeling more empathy, you know? Um, And so I think it's cool when you have something like that in mind where there's room for growth and you've left it there and it'll help the storytelling a lot because no one likes a character without some sort of character arc. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. No question. Um, and that, that's why we watch TV. That's why we mm-hmm. read books. That's why we, that's why self-improvement is a thing, right? right? Externally. Um, where like the understanding that who I am today is not who I want to be tomorrow. Right. And if I do X, Y, and Z, I won't be. Right? Exactly. And like, because your real life character isn't stagnant, why should any of your fictional characters ever be stagnant. Correct, Amanda. That's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, not interesting and not fun. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, you know, I it with um, my previous guest Justin, we we talked about um, the tension, right? Mm-hmm. As far as like it, it relates to inspiration um, and like taking creativity and breath, right? That the tension is what makes the release. Mm-hmm. so sweet right. so worthwhile yeah, right exactly. and that character development requires some tension mm-hmm. um and you were using some of the words that in the player's handbook and like to help people build their character right. um the player's handbook like when you are creating your character in the background section on your character sheet um mechanically there is built in to help you yeah. form this mental connection with your character um, Four aspects that you can establish for your character. Mm-hmm. Um, personality traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws. Um, personality traits being like simple, small, um, like almost like quirks right. to your character. Something that makes you unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and ideally I think that is a good place for you to pull some of your real life because totally. that's, what's going to show through a lot in your role play that make it a little bit more natural. I agree. And I think it's also a good place to pull in backstory. Like if, mm-hmm. if you're like, well, I'm shy, so I want my character to be shy. Cool. Why, why right. are they shy? What happened Absolutely. in their life to feel, make them feel like they need to be withdrawn in some way? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so I think that's like an excellent place to start with personality traits. If you figure out what kind of personality you want to play, then you can figure out how they got there. Like, why is that their personality? Yeah. And like asking extra layers of questions behind each thing. Right. And I think that's kind of like an overarching, like, mm-hmm tip if you will <laughs> for like building your character into a more interesting and more yeah. centralized character is to ask yourself like okay my character is shy great when are they shy right. like in what scenarios are and, they shy and do they have scenarios where they're the exact opposite for is sure. there one topic where they're really not shy anymore because they're so exactly. excited to talk about it and how does that shyness come across yeah is the shyness in over speaking Mm-hmm. Right? Is it in dead silence? Mm-hmm. Is it in disassociation? Right? right? How that sh- that personality trait comes through um, sure. is just as important as more important, honestly, than saying <laughs> my character is shy. Yeah, because that that that's not a whole lot to work off of. Mm-hmm. But if you set and honestly, this is kind of just for all of Dungeons and Dragons and, and truly life, um, <laughs> is to say like the reason we're able to create and act is because of rules, Mm -hmm. right? Boundaries are a good thing, right? Letting my son touch the oven. Sure. Like, is he going to learn to not do that? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But if I tell him don't touch the oven, he's going to find a different way to accomplish what he wants to do. Right. And that is access the pantry. (laughs) And, and so like setting those same parameters, right? Like in my role play, I will be shy in mm-hmm. these scenarios. I don't want to always be, but I will be right. and I will display it in this frame. Right. And that is going to bleed into the rest of your interactions moving forward. Which I think helps the character feel a lot more 3D too because there's mm-hmm. you rarely meet anyone in real life who's shy all the time. For sure. Maybe they are shy most of the time but they're not with their internet friends mm-hmm. or wherever it is. There's almost always it it just makes the character more 3D if you can not just give them a blanket personality trait. Yeah. Well, and like even in their suggestions, right? Like things your character dislikes or Mm -hmm. fears, like not even as general as shyness, but specifically like my character is deathly afraid of heights. Right. And some of that stuff, some of that stuff too, I think it's hard to think about beforehand. That's actually one that came up in one of my campaigns where I had to kind of yes and that the Mm -hmm. the DM was like, so who, which characters are afraid of heights? And I was like, I had never, considered that right and then it's like okay well is that consistent with her character which which one would she be um but i think i've seen a lot of youtube videos too that i think are really helpful for role play where um jenny d has a lot of great ones Mm -hmm. specifically but where they have like an npc that's asking you questions and then you can answer in character and they come up with a lot of things like are you afraid of blood you know is that are you motivated by money are you you know do you like shiny objects like stuff that you maybe wouldn't think about beforehand. And even though they might not come up in game, they help make your character more well-rounded and they often help you have the context to come up with other answers in game. So you're like, okay, well, if they like shiny objects, then they probably like money. Even if I hadn't thought about specifically if they like money, you know, or if they hate heights, then they probably don't like climbing trees. You know, like that would be kind of weird. Right. Well, and most, most characters are not coming into an adventuring party Mm -hmm. having been experiencing a dragon's horde before. Right. Right. So having like a, you know, understanding that you personally have never faced a dragon. Right. Right. Like I, hopefully. Right. But neither has your character. Right. Right. So having, having these parameters of like, 
I know that my character would have never encountered an illithid mm-hmm. mind flayer before. For sure. Something you probably will encounter in a D&D session. So knowing something can steal my brain. Mm-hmm. What would my character feel about that? Right. And I think, too, then it's helpful to think about, like, you know, fight, flight, freeze. Which mm-hmm. one is your character inclined to do? Right. How do they process this? Is it the same way you process it? Um, because yeah, there'd probably be at least a moment of hesitation where you're like, what am I going to do about this? And then do you charge or do you run away? Um, and I think too, like, I've seen a lot of really impressive role play with that. Um, my character that had the childhood friend where he went overseas, um, she actually died recently in a session. You'll love to see it. And yeah. And I'm always like kind of nonchalant when my characters die because I think it's fun making characters. So I'm like, oh, well. It was, it was fun having you, you know, I'll make a new one. Um, and so I was, you know, I was pretty happy. I was fine. But then um, the other characters role-playing her death and grieving mm. was so heartbreaking. Um, and it was really interesting to see too, because I felt like they really did pull in elements of themselves because again, like, just like, you know, a dragon, a lot of people haven't really had to face like a childhood friend or a loved one dying. A lot of people sure. have too. And if you do, then you have that experience that you can pull in. Um, these two players didn't, as far as I'm aware, at mm-hmm. least have those specific experiences. Um, but, you know, they one of them responded in stunned shock and was like yeah. non-responsive. And that's a totally valid response to the situation. Definitely. Right? People do that in real life all the time. Fight, fight flight or freeze. Um, and he, first he went into denial. Actually, mm-hmm. he was like, no, she's coming back. You know, the healing spells are working. Um, and then he froze up. And then my other player friend his character ended up like actually picking up her body and flying away because he was a dragonborn with homebrew wings. Um, and so he ended up kind of doing more of the, you know, flight tactic, sure. but then also ended up, you know, searching for answers and searching for a way after the initial morning and like, what am I going to do with this body that I just flew away from the rest of the party? Yeah. Well, it, it opens the door for a lot. Truth mm-hmm. be told. Um, Adam Driver, uh, we know him as Kylo Ren and a whole bunch of other stuff, right? Great yeah. actor. Um, former Marine. Mm-hmm. Um, his TED Talk, I don't know if you've watched that yet. Haven't yet. Highly recommend okay. it. It's incredible. Um, he has a foundation where he helps veterans and active duty servicemen um, role play their cool. scenarios yeah. to overcome post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. So it's because that's, you know, he's had a lot of PTSD from his time in the Marine Corps and obviously acting is now going very well for him. But Mm -hmm. acting is what helped him overcome those things. Yeah. Um, And, you know, truth be told, RPGs are not intended to be a therapy and they're not, (laughs) you know, they shouldn't be. They're not a replacement. Absolutely. They're not metaphysical (laughs) by nature. And play deserves its place right right? it should be for fun Mm -hmm. but it can um whether intentionally or unintentionally have positive effects outside of your character that you work through right understanding grief Mm -hmm. right understanding greed and like these you know emotions that we can experience um and and let your character experience them Mm -hmm. um the other one that I, I really like is the ideals, right? So personality traits can be pretty general, but ideals, yeah. I really like uh, where it says in, ideals encompass everything from your life goals to your core belief system. What are the principles that you will never betray? 
What would prompt you to make sacrifices? What drives you to act and guides your goals and ambitions? Like that, those are great questions to help you make those same connections to say like, you know, my rogue absolutely is a thief, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but doesn't want to be. Right. Right. The core belief is I don't steal from women and children. I yeah. don't steal from people less off. Or maybe me. you don't kill. Maybe right. you're willing to thieve as long as no one gets hurt in the process. Right. Right. But you make that hard line and then it's your job to just maintain that line. Mm-hmm. But you know that. Right? right. And your character can act accordingly um, and you can act in your character accordingly. Mm-hmm. which I think is super helpful. Um, another one is bonds, right? Um, yeah. Something that is a connection for your character. Um, and obviously connection is, you know, from a real life perspective, like a massive part of life, <laughs> right? right. Um, there's a reason why we live in communities. There's a reason mm-hmm. why people get married and have friends is that connection. Um, and your character d- needs that as well. Right. And I think even when you have like more hermit type characters, they usually have some sort of familiar or something that they're Mm -hmm. super bonded to because we're always looking for something to give our time and attention to, even if it's a plant, you know, but I think often like, I think new players will fall back on having all of their family and friends be dead because they don't know how to write them or what to do with them. And I think if you can avoid doing that, then you also have a lot of interesting like possibilities you can go down with that yeah and having tense bonds i think is really fun to role play too like not every person you're bonded to are you going to like right right like in my family we always joke about you have to love everyone you don't have to like everyone correct amundo maybe you love your dad maybe you would save your dad in a life or death scenario but maybe you don't like him very much maybe you don't want to hang out with him maybe that character has a drinking problem and he's really mean all the time yeah but you would still save him if push come to shove and so i think that's a really interesting thing you can do too with bonds is not always having just super strong perfect bonds yeah and i like i like the analogy of um how long would you be in a car ride with this person uh with my wife all day long Mm -hmm. with my kids about two hours (laughs) love them to death. Right. But I refuse. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and it's the same way. Right. Um, and even with your analogy of like your character, everyone, one in their family was murdered and they're all, or they just all died in their sleep. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, whatever it is, like you need a bond and this is a good opportunity to work with your DM, um, in building your character Mm -hmm. for the backstory to say like, great. Yeah. Your, your parents are dead for sure. No question about it. Easy to do. However, you are bound to their memory. Right. And that can be really interesting too. Mm -hmm. And you need to be prepared for that because DMs will sometimes like resurrect your loved ones. Absolutely. Or they come back as zombies and then you have to figure out how to process that. Yeah. You're bound to the memory of your mom. Great. Now stab her in the face. Exactly. Yeah. You love, (sighs) that's the best part of being a DM. I tell you what, making people hate you. Right. It's that moment where you're trying to decide if D&D is helping you work through your trauma or just giving you more trauma. Absolutely. And if honestly, as a DM, your goal should be both. Yeah. I want to help you work through some things, but I want to stockpile yeah. even more. It's it's a trade scenario, mm-hmm. you know, you yep. get rid of some, you have to replace it, balance and all things. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and that is my DM flaw, which is the other personality background. 
Um, your character's flaw represents a vice, compulsion, fear, or weakness, um, which I think is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, again, right with the Grand Theft Autos of the world, right. right? Like people play those games because they can't do that in real mm-hmm. life without going to jail forever. Um, and Dungeons and Dragons is honestly not fun if yeah. everyone is a murder hobo who just no. goes and stabs every I shopkeeper hate in the face. Murder hobos so much, right? It just isn't as fun. Yeah. And but people make that their flaw. My mm-hmm. flaw is. I love money and I love killing. It's like, okay, well, you're not interesting to play with. Yeah. Um, so make your flaws interesting by making them subtle. Right. For sure. And I think, too, you could, you could also have various levels of subtle, too. Definitely. Right? I mean, maybe one of their flaws is they steal things. Maybe they are a kleptomaniac. Mm-hmm. But then they also don't have to be a murder hobo still. And maybe their weakness is that, like, once they have the shiny thing, they're not very good at putting it in a safe place and then it gets retaken from them. Everything gets like restolen or, you know, being a bad liar, not being a good people person in general, being super weak and having to rely on the other party. Like I think having a dump stat is actually, it's something most people do, even if they're min maxing their character for combat, but then knowing how to role play that dump stat, I think can be super funny. Absolutely. Um, Well, I just had like, the like for for subtle flaws that are interesting to role play um is like remorse mm-hmm. or regret right like my character is uh deeply regretful mm-hmm. um so that when you find this magical item you have you know you attune to this beautiful elegant sword but then you your character immediately thinks but is there a better one Right. You know, that could absolutely drive adventure, right? That could be something that helps you move your party to the next region or Mm -hmm. to find the next thing. Um, But the flaw is small, right? Right. But it, it allows your personality traits and your ideals and your bonds to shine through. Um, and, and you had mentioned prior too, but, and kind of alluding to this of a balance Mm -hmm. in these aspects, right? Um, balance in D and D is, you know, usually referred to in relation to like stats, right? Yeah. Like I want a well-balanced character. I want a 15 across the board on all my stats. Um, but a dump stat kicks that balance that can maybe be offset. I could argue, on the role play for a balanced right. character. Well, and I think having imbalanced stats is actually balanced in its own way, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're still having roughly the same amount of, however you at standard array points by rolling your dice. Um, you still have roughly the same amount of points as you would if it was evenly distributed. Right. So there is still that balance. Um, but I think it adds a lot of depth to like, maybe you have a super smart character. Awesome. Are they book smart or are they street smart? Right. Because no one just knows everything. Mm-hmm. Um, my cleric character she's super book smart um not super street smart and so she's made mistakes before where she's like you know i've i've read a lot of books i know a lot of things i think i'm really smart but then she will you know one time they were on a ship and there were sirens and she was like oh no problem i can like i have a spell that will make this super loud piercing scream no one will be able to hear the sirens will be safe um she ended up drawing all the sirens to the ship with the sound um yeah and so then everyone was like why would you do that and she's like i thought it was like the best solution um and so having characters where they even in their strengths there's a weakness right maybe they're 
overconfident about their one thing they're really good at. Um, or there's the, you know, the downside of maybe they're super street smart, but they have no book smarts and they sure. don't think they need, maybe they think books and history are stupid and unnecessary, which is not true. Yeah. Um, but I think too, like when you're looking at your stats, that balances out the character and yeah. it can balance out the party too. If everyone's really good at their own thing and that can also initiate more role play because then you have to rely on each other more. Yeah. Well, and, and like a good connection to help kind of make it more digestible from like, I don't play D and D, but I love <laughs> Harry Potter. Like, right. okay, pal, let's talk about the least balanced character. Also super uninteresting. Yeah. Harry freaking Potter. Yep. Okay. Um, oh, he's such a good duelist. Please. He knows one spell. Right. right? But that that take that same thing. Like mm-hmm. if you want to try D D, but you are a big Harry Potter nerd, yeah. make Harry Potter right. your wizard. Or a different wizard from the same book. Right. It's super smart when you're starting role playing to like find a character that you really like i've read a lot of fantasy novels so when i do that i i try to find like more obscure ones so that mm-hmm. it's not immediately obvious to sure. the rest of the party um but you really can take people from fiction and make them your own and you can put your own twist on them or you can play them straight from the book the way they are yeah um but finding a character you relate to from novels is a great way to do that or tv series or whatever yeah. movies. like i play dwight as a paladin like <laughs> honestly i would love to see that that would be fantastic um i could very easily see that making some good times and mm-hmm. if he was going to play any character it would absolutely be a paladin right. <laughs> um so take that uh, as inspiration um if you don't want to insert yourself mm-hmm. right because you kind of are um but right because like, the character you pick is going to be one you relate to exactly. no one's going to pick their least favorite character and it's somebody that you understand and something mm-hmm. that you uh like right like mm-hmm. if you if you don't like your character you're just not going to play it well right um and and again that's the whole reason people play is they yeah. like the character and want to play it mm-hmm. um so i would love for you to walk us through your tiefling cleric yeah the thought process that you had when building this cleric Yeah, for sure. So I really like building characters with some sort of duality that's either verging on or is just actually contradictory. I think that is a really fun starting place when Mm -hmm. building a unique character that's not based off anything particularly. Um, Because, you know, usually the hardest part of building a character is the first step, right? Like, where do you even start? And then you can spin from there. Um, And so... For this one, my party didn't have a cleric, and I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll be the cleric, you know, I'll balance out the party. But then I wanted it to be a fun cleric, and so I was like, what's what's the opposite of a cleric? What would be contradictory? And I ended up deciding to make her an atheist. Um, then I just started from there building out the whys. Why would a cleric ever be an, be an atheist, you know? Um, so I ended up making her a tiefling that was adopted into a noble family, and you know, standard D&D lore, tieflings aren't very trusted. They're uncommon in high society. They are devils. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. They so got you that are a, a God worshiping, like your power yeah. is from a God. You are a devil mm-hmm. and you don't believe in gods. Exactly. So it's, it's the most contradictory character you can come up with on paper, basically. Pretty much. Um, and then, but she was like raised in high society. She was adopted by this family as kind of a token where her family wanted to be like, oh, we're so much more accepting than the other nobles because we adopted a demon child. What? But people don't adopt for clout. 
Um, yeah, it never happens in real life. Don't worry about it. Um, anyway, so she ended up, um, she got adopted when she was a little bit on the older side for a kid, you know, like 10, 11-ish. Um, and because of that, she was like kind of aware, you know, like people always think kids are stupid. They're not. They're yeah. very aware of what's going on around them. And she was, so she was very um, attuned into what was happening and that her parents really just wanted her for the clout. She was kind of an outcast in all of the noble circles. And they were also kind of scared of her because tieflings are so uncommon in nobility. They were like, this is, we actually have a demon child that we ha- we're stuck with this now. You know, mm-hmm. we did it. We can't go back, but we're scared of her. And so they ended up making her study religion to try to like convert the devil. Yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, she studied it. Um, but she was also only around people who were religious for clout because that's how nobles are. You know, they're kind of pretentious. What? People don't do that either. <laughs> exactly. No, never. Um, I side eye to the camera. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Just full eye. Folks at home. <laughs> if you're going to be religious, be religious. Yeah, exactly. Or don't. Or yeah, either way. Um, anyway, so then <laughs> she just kind of saw and grew up around religion being a very shallow thing. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there are people in D and D who do play devout characters, those just weren't who she associated with. Um, and she began getting this really hard, deep belief that um, every, everybody who was religious wasn't actually religious. There is no higher power, but she also was getting magic from these rituals. She was reading and studying. And so she had to kind of justify that to herself. And in doing so, she decided that every spellcaster is either a wizard or a sorcerer. And she's a wizard because her magic comes from books. But there's nothing behind them. They're spell books just like any other spell book. Just some spell books work better for some people than others. And those are specifically the ones she gets power from for Absolutely. whatever reason. That tracks. Yeah. And then, you know, druids are sorcerers because there's no higher power in nature either. Um, there's actually a warlock on our team. And that's a really funny dynamic because he's always like you know joint worship the fathomless and you'll get power and she's like so is this like a sorcerer that you're friends with and he's he's like no the fathomless is a is a devil and she's like "Uh uh-huh sure (laughs) um and so she's she's very deep into this worldview which is really funny because in D&D it's inherently wrong. Canonically, yeah. there are gods. She's right. definitely going to have that come back to bite her someday. And that's yeah. part of the fun of it is knowing right. that, right? That is a flaw is that her worldview is so set in stone. She's found a way to justify away any signs of any higher powers. Yeah. Um, and so that was something too that I kind of planned with room for character growth. Um, but yeah, it, it, I took this you know, contradictory character. And that's where most of her backstory stemmed from was the idea that like, she doesn't fit into her surroundings and that made her jaded. And then it ended up with her being an atheist who doesn't believe in any gods or any demons, even though that's where she gets her power from is from some God or other, maybe multiple gods. I don't know. The DM will have fun with that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And honestly, at the end of the day, like that's kind of the, the, motto of right. the episode is put it on your dm they'll figure <laughs> it out later right um <laughs> so in like to to put your your character and what's your character's name kelva kelva yeah kelva or kelva 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 yeah. um so kelva on a character sheet in the backgrounds for personality traits mm-hmm. 
like, do you have anything written or is this like, obviously in creating the character, it's a little bit different because you right. have put in the work to yeah. like <laughs> associate yourself. Right, right. For sure. Um, like just from your description, I would say stubborn is probably right, on there. For sure, very um, a little bit jilted mm-hmm. where there's like a chip on the shoulder, yeah. like trying to prove yourself. Right. Right. For sure. Um, what else would you um, put in that category? She's also very salty um, at this moment in the campaign because of some stuff that's happened in her life. Self-destructive is another thing that I, think I would put as that um, to the point where she will intentionally say things to enrage people subconsciously kind of looking for like a beat down. Like mm-hmm. she's trying to make people angry towards her. Um, if she thinks your character's not interested in her character, she's going to flirt with you like sure. to make you mad. Um and so she's kind of salty. She is very clever, though. She's very quick-witted. Um, she does really like books because that is where she gets her power. And those were kind of a lot of her friends, basically, growing up were books. Um, so she has kind of found her own joy in studying these books, even though it was kind of forced on her initially. Um, so, you know, like bookworm, salty, stubborn. I think all of those are really good and yeah. kind of bleeding into flaws a little bit. For sure. And a little <laughs> bit of bonds right. as well, yeah. right? Like, because um, for bonds, like, uh, uh, there is a value placed mm-hmm. in the books. Right. Right. Because yeah. they are granting you this power. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, that isn't actually a god, but is definitely a god. Just the and, book. Yeah. For sure. Just the Nothing else. Um, <laughs> but also, like, almost like a, an appreciation um for other people who are Mm -hmm. clearly they must be putting in the work right right, in order to be casting these spells Mm -hmm. right just like i am right Right. i'm putting in the work um and i'm overcoming something and you must be as well exactly right yeah um so there yeah so while the the sass is there there is on that same coin an appreciation that you're here too. She's also very blunt. That's another thing I would put Mm. down for a personality trait because she grew up around all these silver tongued nobles and they got on her nerves like none other. Mm -hmm. And so she kind of spites them in a way. So spiteful is probably another thing you put down by being blunt. You know, she doesn't like your shoes. She's going to tell you if she likes your hair, she's going to tell you she's not going to play the games. She could, she's been around them long enough. She knows how they're played, but she learned the rules just so she could break them. Yeah. Interesting. Um, which you could also probably write in there or, or kind of come to terms with for a personality trait of like, um, like, you know, asking those same questions, where, when, why, how, um, like for playing the game, so mm-hmm. to speak, in what scenario would she value right. playing the game? Yeah. And I think honestly for her, it would have to be a pretty extreme scenario because she does hate the game so much. Sure. You'd have to find something that mattered more to her than not playing by the rules. Right. Um, in the like shorter mini campaign we did with her, um, we're going back to it soon, but um, what ended up happening actually for her, and this is, this kind of bleeds into bonds. She doesn't really like her family but she ended up realizing she does actually love them Mm -hmm. because even though, you know, the initial adoption and everything was kind of very shallow and surface level and they did have a lot of spats as a result of that, they were kind of her only real people that were consistent in her life that she did lean on and they did still take care of her in the end. Um, That got threatened because the BBEG of the mini campaign wanted to kill her dad. Yeah. He had like an old grudge against him. Um, And 
you know, she'd been smack talking him the whole campaign. You know, anytime they needed information from him, they're like, you want to ask? And she's like, let's just torture him for info. And they're like, that seems not necessary. And she's like, I disagree. But we could. We yeah. could do it for fun, though. <laughs> yeah. It would be interesting. Yeah. Um, kind of all talk and no fight, though. Right. Sure. Like, she doesn't actually want to see that happen to her dad, but she didn't realize because mm-hmm. it hadn't ever been on the table before. Sure. Um, and so then when the BBEG was like, they, he kind of struck a deal with them a little bit. Um, and part of the deal was he was going to kill the dad. And she's like, I can't agree to that. And the whole party was like, wait a second. And she was like, well, you know, that's funny that you would bring up that I I don't like him because I am realizing now that maybe I do more than I realized. And I don't know that I actually want him dead. Yeah. Um. That staff feels a little more extreme than I was ready for. I just wanted <laughs> to like maybe short sheet his bed or something. <laughs> right. Um. And so that ended up being really interesting with her bonds um and she ended up having to be a little bit more diplomatic in that situation even though she would normally hate diplomacy she was not at a point where she really had anything to leverage the bbeg kind of had them at that point um and they just kind of had to do what he wanted or die on the spot and so she had to act diplomatic enough and play the game enough to get back to her dad so she could protect him yeah um and so i think and she had, didn't in that moment have to play the game all the way, but I think for her to ever play the game like that again or to play it even more fully, it would have to be a scenario like that. You'd have to threaten something that matters more to her than just being stubborn. Yeah. Um, interesting. Because it, it, it's um, like that is not some a, a scenario that you would put yourself through mentally as like a, a practice when building your character. Right. right. You wouldn't come to the table saying, well, if my family was ever threatened by this particular individual in these particular <laughs> circumstances, I would be willing to be flexible right. on my personality traits. For sure. Um, but instead, right, having some, some, not all, but some clearly defined bonds and flaws mm-hmm. and ideals and personality traits allow you to do some thought process, right? Right. And you're describing these scenarios um, in uh, under a microscope, yeah. right? With the the you know um, hindsight, right? right. In into the scenario, but they weren't happening as quickly as you're describing them, no. right? Yeah. So you have time, especially at the table, to say like the DM presents you with a situation. Now, what do you do? Like to sit back and think is perfectly acceptable. Right. right? You can be like above table as a player. Give me a second. Yeah. I need to think about how my character would respond. And you should. Yeah. Right. Um, Because that's what's going to allow you to make snap decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, Not everyone is critical role who is like professional voice actors who've been doing (laughs) this for years. Right. But watching them, you're like, oh my gosh, I could never. Right. And you're like, probably. I think it does help with the um with these scenarios and coming up with your response faster though if you kind of understand the priorities of your ideals right exactly right is family more important to you than you know your stubbornness and mm-hmm. that doesn't have to be in an extreme situation in your head you you won't know the situation until your dm puts you in it right um but i think realizing like what matters the most to your character and what ideals are a little bit more flexible yep what personality traits are they willing to bend on or what are you hoping that they will develop towards which i think is 
like one of the the best points that you can take out of the table back mm-hmm. home. Um, the idea of priorities and values and decision making. Right. Right. Um, I read a, a really interesting book called Game Changers. Um, it is originally about like creating a, a career in the fitness industry. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of it is like pretty specific to that topic. Um, but there was one chapter on values, like coming mm-hmm. up with your own personal core values. Um, and he talks about how when you are coming into a decision, if you don't have your core values perfectly defined, that decision is infinitely more difficult to make. Right. But when you have at least three values coming into that decision, you can say, does it meet value A? Yes. Does it also meet value B? Yes. Does it meet value C? No. Mm -hmm. Then the answer is no. Right. Right. If it doesn't meet all three of these criteria, the answer is no. Mm -hmm. But confidently, if it does meet all three of those values, I can say yes with 100% confidence that it is in line with who I am as a person. For sure. Um, And the same can be said for your character, right? Like coming up with those values that when I am in front of a situation, if it meets my bonds, my ideals, and, you know, my flaws aren't kicking in to throw all this off, I can make that decision with full confidence that I am in line with who my character is. For sure. And I think too, like the prioritization comes in when maybe one of those values is at stake and you have to decide, is that one more important to you than the others? Right. Like, you know, if you're, if you're playing a paladin, maybe you have a sword that you're bonded to, but you're also bonded to your God and you're put in a situation where you have to pick between the two. Which one do you care about more? Which one is your paladin more bonded to? Um, If the decision doesn't conflict with either, great, then they're doing it for sure. You know? Right. Um, if it conflicts with one, are they still going to do it or are they going to say no? Um, and I think that adds a lot of character depth too, is knowing how, how much wiggle room there is on some and where there's no wiggle room at all. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no question. And, and using that same analogy of like the paladin whose oath is to a God or Mm -hmm. to some, some person, right. Inherently there is an, a bond there. Right. Um, so not all bonds are created equal. Um, and so maybe it's less of an item, which is easier for like your player to be like, Oh, it's just a sword. Right. Right. Um, but maybe it's your party member and your God's like, I need this person dead. Right. Right. Um, now that's a little bit harder of a conversation. Yeah. And so that would require a little bit more introspection into, you know, those same character traits and prioritizing what comes first. Right. Which actually, when I talked about the scenario with the grieving in my party game, um, the childhood friend was playing a paladin and he was put in this position where he had asked his God to help and to save my character and his God did not step in. Absolutely not. Yeah. So he actually ended up becoming an Oathbreaker paladin, which is really interesting because if you had asked my character before that point, which he was bonded to more, she would have said it's God. She was, she would have been pretty certain that his religion was more Mm. important to him. But then when push came to shove, his priorities were the, my player character rather than the God. I'm going to call your boy out. He wanted to be at Oathbreakers from day one. Probably. <laughs> Absolutely. And was just begging for an opportunity because Oathbreakers are freaking sick. They are really cool. <laughs> um, so I'm calling your boy out on that. But, but hey, great. that's also foresight and character planning. You Absolutely know? He right. had character development in mind. There was a character arc there. Absolutely. Um, and that's something that you can absolutely play um, mm-hmm. and plan, right? Um, yes. 
beautiful. I love that. <laughs> um, dang, that is awesome. So to kind of recap, right? Like for people who are wanting to come to a D&D table, never before doing this at right. all. Um, the idea in their mind is, you know, I really like Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I love Legolas. Right. I want to make an arcane archer fighter. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Right. That's, and that's as far as the thought process goes. Yeah. What advice would you give to this person with this specific scenario? Cause it's a pretty common one. Um, what advice would you <laughs> give to them to make their Legolas more interesting and yeah. easier to play? Right. Well, I think you would have to kind of put them under a microscope to start. Right. Because I think it's easy to say, Oh, I really like this character. They're really cool. And then to not notice their flaws because we love characters for their flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, and so looking at Legolas and going, okay, what areas is he naive in? You know, is, is his arrogance going to get in the way of what's going on here? You know, are there fighting types he's not particularly familiar with? Is he sheltered from other races because he was an elf and they're prestigious and figuring out how that translates into D and D and then also looking at like, okay, well, what are his bonds, you know? And I think it's totally fine too if you get to a point where you're like, you know what, I actually don't like this part of Legolas's backstory for me. And knowing that you're not chained to that character because you're not playing Legolas, you're playing your version of Mm -hmm. Legolas. Absolutely. Um, And so if you want to stick exactly to him, that's great. But if you're like, hey, you know what, I actually want to play Legolas, but like he was a nomad growing up. And he does know all these things about all these races. Cool. How does that change the character? Right. Um, What butterfly effect did that have? Um, And so I think just, but I think to start just putting him under a microscope and looking for the negative as well as the positive and trying to identify, you know, what his priorities are, who he cares about the most, what drove him through the story. And then putting those onto your character sheet is a really good place to start. Yeah. I love that. Um, if you're playing Legolas, you have to include that he is racist toward <laughs> hobbits or halflings. Right. right? And does um, that does that then also apply to gnomes and dwarves right. and all the other similar-ish D&D Right. Races? He's just a heightist. Yeah. Maybe. Anything small dislikes. Right. Or is it like a civilized thing? Is he elitist and yeah. he doesn't like any races that are just messy? Like maybe it's not a height thing and he doesn't like orcs either. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um yeah, I love that. So in like a, a role play conversation, I think one of my biggest things is like, again, this going back to the stereotypes of Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. you got neck beards and body odor <laughs> coming in, they're wearing elf ears, um, and you're a cosplay right. artist, right? And so <laughs> like, you're in that, yeah. I'm lumping you in the, the elf ears <laughs> at the table. <laughs> um you don't have to. Yeah. You do not. No. You don't have to have an accent. You don't yeah. have to have a voice. Yeah. You can absolutely play yourself mm-hmm. in the form of this character. And also, if you want a character voice, because I do think they're helpful for distinguishing what's above table and what's in character. Sure. But it doesn't have to be an accent. Maybe your voice is just like a little bit more breathy or a little bit higher or a little bit lower. It doesn't have to be anything hard. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it guys, it's not that hard. Okay, um, just play, and you'll have a good time doing it. Yeah. Um, but do the work beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. And and by do the work, I don't mean spend three hours 
don't watch all of the Lord of the Rings. Well, do that because they're great. <laughs> um, but you don't have to to get in tune with your character. Right. right? Um, all it takes is just establishing a baseline for decision making, a baseline for reactions, mm -hmm. and a baseline for like a catalyst, right? What would make you do something? Um, and what would you do something for? I think is a great place to entry level start mm -hmm. and then build, right? Yeah. Get to a point where you, you say like maybe, uh, an atheist devil cleric <laughs> is a little complex for me. Right. For most folks, I would argue that. Um, <laughs> so start with the variant human fighter, mm -hmm. be a basic hoe and, and play that, that role. Right. Yeah. Cause that's what it is. Right. It's again, just to be fun. Um, and then start playing a warlock, you know, start playing somebody who has, um, an, in, a built in dilemma. Um, and it will be more fun from there. Right. I totally agree. And I think too, like your character can get more complicated as you go. Like you don't have to be absolutely sad about starting out with a simple character because, you're like, oh, well, what if, you know, we keep playing and in three months, I feel like my character is just lame because you can build in bonds over time. Maybe later you can talk to the DM and they find some magical item that, you know, it's a demonic sword that they're bound to or, you know, some they join a guild that has these laws and rules that they have to follow now. Yeah. Um, you could start multi-classing. There's a lot of things that you could do as you progress to make your character more complex and to level absolutely. it up basically with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cause that's, it's in the mechanics. Yeah. Right? It is begging for that. To right. Happen. So you can start simple and if you want it to be more complicated later, great. There's room for that. Them's the rules. <laughs> okay. Um, well, dang, that's a lot. Um, it is a lot. <laughs> and a fire hose. there, I mean, that's why there's the hundreds of books on this, um, out there that you like, don't have to read when you're no, starting. No, you do not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Um, but you should try. Um, dangarang. Thank you. Honestly, yeah. I, I feel like, like if someone were to want to start playing similar to your background, you don't have to know the mechanics, mm -hmm. but you should compensate for that right. with an, a, a desire to yeah. role play. Um, if you want to be a mechanics, you know, slut for the mechanics you know go for it um that's me i i love the rules and i love trying to maximize everything right. i'm for sure a min maxer um but if you want to just play role plays your thing mm -hmm. learn it and try it practice it role play role playing and you'll figure it out yeah for sure and i think too like sometimes if i'm struggling to get into a character mindset this is super dorky but i'll like have fake role play conversations in my car on the way to the session sometimes just so I can play with how would they react in this situation? Yeah. Like maybe this will never come up, but I'm trying to get into that headspace right now. Cause if the character is different enough for me, sometimes it takes me a minute. For sure. Absolutely. And let's face it. You're not an elf. Right. And so <laughs> just about anything you do is going to be different than what you could do in real life. Exactly. Um, dang. Well, Honestly, thank you so much. Yeah, um, I feel like I'm taking a lot <clears throat> excuse me, um, away from this. And because um, role playing is something that I'm trying to work on and improve on myself um, to make that a more compelling aspect of Dungeons and Dragons uh, from a DM perspective, mm -hmm. as well as from a player. Um, how do we best support you? 
Um, I think just following on socials, interacting would be great. Um, I'm also hoping to start my own Twitch soon. Beautiful. Just to do, Love it. Not exactly sure what yet. Probably like variety gaming or something yeah. along those lines. So if anybody wants to check that out, once I get around to that, that would be super cool. Yeah. Well, we'll be sharing that as soon as that's up and running, but we'll obviously share like all your handles everywhere. Um, be tagging you and stuff, but yeah, it, 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 she's honestly worth following just <laughs> for the entertainment aspect of like the characters that you know and love. Um, it's awesome. Uh, shout out Hal from Hal's Moving Castle. Yeah. My favorite one. That one was really cool. Um, thanks so much. Um, yeah, again, the handles. Yeah. Hyacinth Wonders on pretty much anything. It's a little bit hard to spell. So it's H-Y-A-C-I-N-T-H. And then Wonders like, you know, the verb. <laughs> <laughs> should be hard <laughs> wonders if you if you're if you can't spell wonders you shouldn't be on instagram anyway yeah um, i don't know how you make comments give your you mom your phone back child okay? <laughs> um and go back to school yeah um so shout out school um shout out you for coming out here thanks. appreciate you coming yeah, on um guys thanks so much for tuning in share this everywhere Share her stuff everywhere because it deserves to be seen. Um, the podcast could arguably not. Um, because I think it's great. <laughs> You're doing awesome. It's, it's all right. Um, go and play some freaking D&D, guys. Um, it'll make you a better person. It'll make your characters more interesting. Mm -hmm. Your friends will like you more. It's a really fun way to bond with your friends, too. You get Absolutely. to role play all kinds of things you wouldn't normally get to do with your friends. You'll highlight your own flaws. You'll yeah. bond with friends. You get You'll... to figure out your friends' flaws. Absolutely. All the better, <laughs> yeah, truthfully. Really. Um, dig up some dirt, throw that dirt in their face, <laughs> um, and make them wish that you never introduced them to D&D. &D. If you don't do that, you failed. Absolutely. And failure is all that life is about. Yeah. <laughs> Adios. <laughs>